Hello and welcome to the Clean Simple Free Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Fox. This is episode 95, and I'm so excited to share this interview with you. My guest this week is Leo Babauta. He's an author, minimalist, and the creator of the Zen Habits website and the recently launched Zen Habits podcast. This was such an enriching conversation. I really enjoyed chatting with him about the difference between routine and ritual and how to make the most of our days instead of just mindlessly trying to complete as many tasks as possible. And he's also a really nice guy. You can hear it in his voice from the very beginning of our visit, and I think you can also hear how excited I was to sit down and speak with him. This is a talk that I really got a lot out of, and I hope you will too. Stick around. This is Ashley, right? Yes, it is. I have to apologize for getting my time zones mixed up. I guess this is a good example of why it's important to keep your schedule simplified. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. It happens to all of us and it's not a problem. Okay. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to be my guest today. I was sure, really right. happy to get the email from your assistant setting up this interview. You know, my mom was reading your book, The Power of Less, when I was a teenager. Oh, wow. Uh, so you've been like a household name for me for years. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Uh, yeah, that's cool. Well, we've been we've been connected then for a while. Uh, yeah, it's taking a great it to a new level today. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, I always like to start by asking this question, which is, could you give yourself a brief introduction for our listeners? Sure. So I'm Leo Babauta. I created a blog called Zen Habits in 2007. Gosh, that was a while ago. <laughs> it quickly grew into uh, a pretty well-read blog uh, because it resonated with people as I talked about simplicity, simplifying your life, minimalism, healthy living, mindfulness, and things like productivity and focus. And so that's grown over the years. I've recently launched a podcast. I'm a vegan. I'm a minimalist. I'm a Zen student and a father of six and a husband. That's quite the intro. Um, <laughs> I've been reading Zen Habits throughout the years for probably a good 10 years or so, and I'm sure many of my listeners have as well. I have to ask, what first attracted you to living a more simple life or a minimal life? Like, what gave you the idea about living life this way? First of all, I looked at what my life was, and I'm like, not that. Um, so mm -hmm. it was cluttered, and we had so much clutter in our house, and I just generally... I felt like I had, like my closets were overflowing and so unorganized and that applied to my digital life, my work life. Pretty much every area of my life was filled with clutter and just felt like too much. And so I was feeling overwhelmed and wanting, you know, just like lost and wanting to get some organization, but also spaciousness and simplicity. And I was inspired by, well, some of the, you know, the old time greats like Henry David Thoreau and... Uh, Stoics and people like that. But there's a writer in the 90s who wrote a, a series of books on simplicity, simple living. They were like tiny little books and they were like one page per chapter of like something really cool that you could do to simplify your life. I'm drawing a blank on her name now, but she was a huge inspiration. And I had like a few of these books in my house and I would look at these and I'm like, oh, they just like inspired me to take some action. And I actually think that that's what I do now with Zen Habits is I started writing these short, doable, simple things that people could do to simplify their lives. And I think that's why it resonated so well. But I got it from, from others before me. Well, I think a lot of us can relate to feeling a little lost um, and wanting to get some clarity, especially now as we live in such a digital world. It's like, 
you know, we're constantly inundated with notifications and calls and emails and things like that. Yeah, it's, it's, it feels like, I don't know if this is literally true, but it feels like our lives are more complicated every year. Like we're getting, you know, new apps that are coming in that give us more messages, notifications, you know, and, and we're online and on our devices more than ever. And so that means we're never shut off from all of that stuff. And that's just the digital stuff. You know, we're also ordering like one click from ordering something on Amazon or wherever your favorite shopping site is. And that, so basically stuff is being sent to our door that is just filling our physical lives up. And you add to that our long list of things we have to do, all of our emails. And then, you know, you might have a shelf full of books that you haven't read yet. And it can just feel like our lives are not only overflowing and too full, but also just like filled with stuff that we haven't done yet that we should be doing. That's a really, that's a really tough thing to deal with. And it feels endless and like inescapable. Yeah, you know, something you mentioned reminded me, we're now also very easily reachable, which can be really great. Like I have family that lives all around the country. And it's great that I can contact them and call them and FaceTime. But that also means that we're never, you know, it's harder to find those like moments of quiet with the fact that we are so easily reachable in a digital world. Yeah, it's a growing challenge. And I'm not I'm not saying that it's impossible to deal with, but it's definitely something that we're being confronted with more and more. Yeah, absolutely. I do want to talk about, you've just launched the Zen Habits podcast. I listened to the first episode and I really enjoyed it. So what can listeners expect from your podcast? Well, there's a lot of stuff that I want to dive into, um, but I decided instead of just jumping around to all the different topics that fascinate me that I want to help people with, I Mm -hmm. wanted to really go deeper than that. So I decided to separate it into seasons. And so this first season, what I'm really diving into is the topic of resistance and fear and uncertainty, especially around doing your purpose work. So if you Mm -hmm. have like a blog or a podcast you want to launch or a YouTube channel or a book or even just like an organization that you run, or it could just be your family. And I say just in quotes, but like, that's really important work, (laughs) but it's like, whatever is important to you, what your purpose is right now, we will have resistance to it. And that's because of underlying fears and uncertainty. If you're stepping into something that's really meaningful, by definition, you're going to be stepping into something that you don't already know how to do. It's stepping into the unknown. If you already know how to do it, you know, like, something that's you know as simple as like checking your email that's not that hard to do checking your messages you can click on a phone you know with one tap and see your messages and so that's not going to have a lot of resistance because it's something that's already in the known so mm-hmm. if you're already doing stuff that's in the known you won't have as much resistance but if you go into the unknown you, which is where all learning resides where all meaningful work resides where our deepest intimacy and relationship resides in the unknown, then we will have uncertainty. And from that we'll have fear and from that we'll have resistance. And so I'm, I'm really looking at diving deep with people and having them actually play along with me, which means that they have to choose a project. Uh, you don't have to, but the opportunity is to choose a project and actually be working with it and the res- see what resistance comes up and then putting the practices into practice as, as I share them on the podcast. And then also ask people to like, ask questions, maybe even come onto the podcast and share their stories or get coached. So it's more interactive, dynamic kind of 
way of doing a podcast. So I'm really yeah. excited about it. I mean, I'm excited about it too. I'm excited to listen. That was going to be my next question. And you touched on it a little bit. Will you be featuring guest interviews in the future? Mm -hmm. Or is it more of an expansion of the Zen Habits blog? Yeah, it's going to be a mix. So it'll be some solo episodes for me, uh, which is how it started out. So every week I'll have a solo episode. But in between those, I'm hoping to have bonus episodes come out like on the weekend where it'll be a longer interview. Um, mm -hmm. So I already have a few interviews recorded. I have some other guests coming on that I'm really excited about. And I, I really hold the idea that I don't have all the wisdom. I don't have all the answers and that other perspectives are really welcome. So there's guest interviews. And then I also, like I said, want to bring in some of the listeners. So people who are actually putting into practice, maybe facing some unique challenges. One of the people I'm having come on is someone I've worked with as a coach but she is someone putting out some really meaningful work around creating change in the world. But she's a black woman and she, mm -hmm. as an example, faces challenges that I don't face uh, or that you don't. You know, she has like a unique set of challenges. And so I'm bringing her on to talk about how she works with those challenges around doing her purpose work and all of the resistance. But there's extra stuff layered on top of that. And I think that's fascinating. And I think we need to hear more people like that who we don't really understand that they have all these extra challenges. And, you know, we might have some of them as well, but um, it'd be really cool to hear from her. And so I'm bringing on people like that, just really have perspectives that I don't have. And I'm excited about that. Yeah, it sounds like there's lots to look forward to. And um, it'll be interesting to hear all the different perspectives. So your podcast description mentions exploring the power of ritual in support mm -hmm. of your greatest purpose. And I felt that discussing the power of daily rituals and sort of how to effectively create a daily or weekly routine would be a good conversation to have with you. This oh, is something amazing. I actually struggle with. <laughs> mm. And I wanted to hear your perspective on how we can effectively create flexible routines that work into our days. Mm. Okay, great. So the first thing I want to do, if you'll allow me, is to make a distinction between routines and ritual. Mm -hmm. um, and I think they're both important. And uh, I'll get back to answering your actual question about creating sure. those flexible routines. Uh, routines are things that we put into our lives that we do on a regular basis. So like a daily routine, you might have like, okay, in the morning, here's how I get started. I like, you know, make my coffee, I sit down, I check my emails, or I set my intentions for the day, I do my planning, I might meditate, you know, those kinds of things. So that's mm -hmm. like a morning routine and you could have an evening routine, a bedtime routine, a, you know, you could do all kinds of things like that. And so that is distinct from ritual, which is something that I've been finding to be really powerful for me. Ritual mm -hmm. would be, it, they're similar. So uh, it's, it's not that they're completely different animals, you know, but ritual would be something where we elevate a routine into something that is really important to us, special, mm -hmm. you know, in okay. Uh, religious terms, we might call it sacred. You know, I'm not that religious, but I do believe that there's a lot of wisdom in the rituals that religions brought. You know, for example, if you if you're Catholic, you have a ritual of you know going up and receiving the body of Christ, and there's a, there's prayers around it, there's song, and there's something special about that. It's it's elevated above the ordinary. So you don't have to believe in Catholicism to to really get the power of ritual. People have it in, in Buddhism. They have it in all kinds of traditions, Native American traditions, for example. 
what it does is it elevates something. And so, for example, if you, you know, meditation is actually a great example of ritual where you might sit down and instead of just sitting there, you know, like sitting on the couch, just like you might do normally, you're actually bringing some intention to it and you are bringing some mindfulness to it. And you're also having a uh, mindful start to it, which is like maybe you might bow to your cushion and set a timer. And then you have a set time that you're doing it like for five minutes. And then at the end, and you have an intention for how you're going to do it. And at the end, you close with some kind of intention like gratitude or a bow or something like that. There's something really powerful about that because if you turn your daily writing routine into a ritual, you're elevating that and really like deciding to work with it with full devotion, which is a different way of being than just like, oh, I'm just going to try and get through this routine as quickly as possible. My writing, I like get it done so I can move on to my next thing. Yeah. And that's how most of us tackle everything all day long. And we don't usually have a place of really bringing our full heart, our full devotion, our full focus, and really pouring ourselves into something. We don't do that anywhere in our lives. And so why not start with some ritual? It could be writing, it could be journaling, it could be meditation, it could be, you can even turn like email into a ritual. If you <laughs> elevate email, it's like I'm really feeling connection with every single person that I email, which is a really wow. uh, powerful way of being. So that's ritual. I'll just stop and see if I'm, if that all makes sense before yeah. I like answer your actual question about flexible routine. I see what you're, what you're getting at. I mm -hmm. am very guilty of trying to, you know, be as productive as possible and try and get through everything. And it's like, okay, I've done so much. I can kind of settle down at the end of the day, but there's not really as much meaning versus when maybe it's a weekend and I'm taking things more slowly. I'm like yeah. mindfully making myself a cup of chai, you know, and there's, there's a difference in how I feel. So that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah you're not alone. I, I completely relate. Like we just, we are just kind of trying to make it through our day by doing all of the tasks and get that one done. Then the next one, then the next one. And it's never ending. You never actually get to the end of anything. And so our days just blend together because it's just like constant, constantly going through just our endless tasks. And so ritual elevates it and I think it creates more meaning, but it's also an incredible way to tackle your purpose work. So if you decide I want to, you know, write a book would be a good example of that. I'm going to set aside some time for a writing ritual every day. And what am I going to do? Am I going to have a cup of tea there? Maybe play some music? Maybe I'll light a candle? whatever it is that you want to do to like create that into more of a ritual, make it enjoyable and meaningful to you. Like maybe you have a picture of your kid in front of you as you like think about, you know, this book or whoever it is you want to dedicate the book to as you put something in front of you. Maybe you have a reminder of how you want to be, like you write the word love in, in front of you. You know, your meaningful work of writing the book doesn't just become, let me get through the writing of this book, but I bring a whole special uh, sense of meaning and devotion to the writing of the book, which elevates it and, and is an incredible way to work with our resistance. Would you say that rituals are more important than routines, like having a daily ritual of meditation or mm -hmm. elevating the task of writing into a ritual? Would you say that's more important than daily or weekly schedules and routines? I, I think they can work together. We can think of rituals as components of a routine. They don't have to be, you could just call it, you know, one, another way to put it is habits. Habits could be elements of a routine, right? Um, and so, or just like, you know, stuff I want to do, right? So if I have a morning routine, it's like, I want to wake up, 
I want to start the coffee. I want to like sit down and read a novel for 10 minutes. I want to plan my day, uh, do a five minutes of journaling. So we can, each one of those could be a ritual or they mm -hmm. could just be a habit or they could just be like something I want to get through. So like starting your coffee, you could just say like, I'm just going to press start on the coffee maker that I set up last night. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's simple. It doesn't have to be a ritual, but drinking your coffee or even making your coffee, if you're like, I decide I want to elevate the coffee making and the drinking into a ritual, like some, mm -hmm. there's a reason why I want that to be meaningful. So you might go slower and you might do it in a more like purposeful, like craftsman like kind of way um, and you really su savor the coffee when you drink it or the smell of it as it's brewing yeah. you can see as very different and so i don't think that one is better than the other like we can't necessarily do that all day long there might be some things we want to just like let me just do that real quick mm -hmm. um, but what what you could do is you start small and so this actually actually answers your uh, flexible routines uh, question is like in the morning, maybe I start with one ritual. Maybe that's my entire routine. Or maybe it's a ritual and then a couple of things afterward that I want to do. So the ritual of journaling. And then, you know, I don't have to make it a ritual. I could just do like check my email and plan my day. A ritual combined with a couple of other things that can form a routine. But I would say start as small as possible because we start what we start to do is to daisy chain these together, which is like just chain them all, link them all together and have 10 things because I want to do all those 10 things and I want them all done in the morning. And so it's really, it's like a to-do list, a checklist. That's okay, but it becomes really cumbersome and inflexible. So if you're, yeah. if you have visitors coming over or you're traveling or your, your kid's sick, you know, those kinds of things can break a 10 thing long routine. And so what I would say is start really small and just do two or three things as your routine. And then you can start to add to it, but also know a flexible routine is something that where you could remove some elements of it. Like if you are really busy, if you're traveling, it's like, well, all I want to do there is two minutes of meditation and, you know, then check my email. The other, that could be your whole minimalist kind of routine as you travel. But when I'm home and everything is going great, I might have five things. And so mm. we get to like be flexible in terms of the number and we might lose, lose some things when things are kind of crazy for us. There's a crisis going on with the family or my business. That's how we can be flexible. And I do like tying it to a certain time of day that really mm -hmm. helps. But what if things were crazy in the morning and you couldn't actually do it? Would, would you still want to do it later? That's another way to be flexible. Or you could just let it go if, it, if things are crazy that day. So that's really, kind of ways of working with a flexible. Sorry to, sorry to cut you off. You're fine. I just, everything you're saying is really resonating with me because mm -hmm. I will stick with a ritual that I have, you know, for mm. like five days, but then something comes up like an early morning appointment and then my ritual is broken and mm -hmm. I sort of fall out of the habit. And so I like what you're saying about how you can remove elements as needed and you can start small. So yeah, this all sounds very doable. <laughs> yeah. Could I add something to that uh, real quick? So yeah. um, when our routines or rituals, like when we fall off of them, this is a key, a really key point um, that I really like to address as a, when I teach habits, when mm -hmm. we fall off of it, it's a, a little bit of a tricky area because it's like, oh, I, I haven't done my routine or my ritual for the last couple of days. And what happens at that place is people tend to get discouraged. 
And then they're like, ah, oh, I didn't do it. And I, like, I was doing so great with it and now I'm not. And then that discouragement doesn't encourage them to get back on it. It, it um, makes them stop. And so now it's like a week's gone and two weeks and it's just harder and harder to start again. And so uh, the thing I wanted to bring in around this, it's, a, it's actually a place we could train ourselves. I really believe in training our minds. And so we could train ourselves when we fall off of routines or rituals to have a more flexible mindset. So the, mm -hmm. the old way would be, we call it a fragile mindset. It's just like a couple of days missed and just the whole thing is broken and I can't do it anymore. Like mm -hmm. that would be, it would be fragility, right? And so a way to be more flexible and anti-fragile is to say, when, when I fall off, I need to start back as soon as possible and motivate myself, feel really like amazing about this and uh, find a way to like feel really inspired about it, but also make it as small as possible. So if my routine was five things before I fell off and now it's been three days, maybe I just start with two things and make them really short. If my meditation was half an hour, now I'm just going to do three, four, five minutes of meditation. And so really shrink it down at that point of falling off so that you can easily re-enter. And if you could just start as simply as possible again, that's the key thing is start again very simply and have a really flexible mindset around that. Wow. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. I know this sure. is being recorded, but I am also taking notes. As <laughs> awesome. I mean, because that's very much a mindset that I think is relatable. You know, oh, I messed up and now it's been two days and, you know, I have yeah. to start all over and it can be very discouraging. So I really, really like that. Let's pause for a quick break for a word from our sponsors. And welcome back to the episode. I actually would like to talk about a Zen Habits blog post called Toss Productivity Out. In this post, you say, most productivity advice is well-meaning, but the advice is wrong for a simple reason. It's meant to squeeze the most productivity out of every day instead of making your days better. What led to this realization for you that simplicity was better than just maximizing how much we get done in a day? Well, I, I was a productivity junkie. I'll tell you that. I was like really obsessed with like getting more productive from from my journey, from like being a real procrastinator and like things would pile up and I was missing deadlines and all kinds of stuff to like learning to get better at that. And then I got really into a system you might've heard of called GTD or getting things done by David Allen. Mm -hmm. I was like a devotee to that. And I like really implemented it and I've tried all kinds of other systems and I was constantly looking for new tools and systems and tactics. And so I, I was always implementing something new, a new, new software, a new like app or whatever to like get more productive. And it was around emails and tasks and like projects and all kinds of other cool things, goals. And so I was really pouring a lot into it. And I was, I was actually cranking out a lot and I would crank out a lot and crank out a lot. And I was doing that for months on end. And then I was like, huh, I've been doing this and I don't feel, I feel like, okay, things are moving and I'm actually getting stuff done, but I don't feel like my life is much better than before. Like it was a little bit better. It's better than when it was, I was procrastinating. So that that was like kind of a low point for me. But from when I was at, let's say, 60% productivity to like 95%, like I really increased it. I didn't feel it was any better. And I was like, what, what benefits am I getting from this? I'm like, I am producing more, which is cool. And maybe like more stuff is coming into my life. But am I feeling meaningful? Is there, is there more joy in my life? And I'm like, no. I feel less actually because I'm just constantly cranking and wow. I was like, it's this endless like hamster wheel that we're on. It made me like just stop and question. I think I was out for a walk 
and I'm just like, you know, there's got to be something more meaningful than this. Like, what's going? What's wrong? Where did I go wrong here? So that's what had me like re-examining everything I was doing. Wow. Do you find that pursuing a more mindful way of living and incorporating these rituals has helped your mindset a lot more than just pursuing mm. kind of the daily grind of productivity? So there's a few things here. Um, one is take a step back. For me, taking a step back and taking a look at like, what do I want my life to be? Let's say I didn't have to be productive. I, I still could be, but let's just say that wasn't a requirement. Like, what would I like it to be? Do I want more time with my family? Do I want more time out in nature? Do I want to be healthier? Do I want to read more or you know, be more mindful during the day? Do I want to eat healthier? You know, like, do I want more play in my life? Do I want more joy or wonder or adventure? You know, what is it that I want more of in my life? And how do I like set a vision for what I want in my life? And that doesn't mean that I can actually make that happen tomorrow, you know, but this is kind of what I'm moving towards. And I started to create more of that in my life. And then sometimes I fall off of that and it kind of goes back into the old ways. But now I'm, I'm much more intentional about the kind of life that I want to lead. And sometimes I notice like, oh, my days are just kind of endless drudgery. I'm like, okay, great. This is a time to like step back and take a look at this. What do I want? Do I want like, you know, do I want to go out for more adventures on the weekends or have more play with my kids in the evenings or, or whatever? I want to have more movement during the day. So I start to do that. And I start to make those changes, take responsibility for making that happen. And then another thing that's really important is like, for me is whatever you decide to do in your life, it's not so much the what you're doing, but do you elevate that? Like, so ritual would be elevating that into something special or meaningful or really being present with it. And another one is like, it, even small things like eating breakfast. Are you just rushing through that breakfast so you can get to the more all your tasks or are you really savoring the breakfast? If you mm -hmm. go out for a walk, are you just like, let me get my exercise in and like listen to a podcast and maybe respond to a few messages while I'm doing the walk, getting through it just like you would do it with anything else? Or are you finding wonder in the nature that you're surrounded by? And so if you could actually elevate and really like find more wonder and awe and meaning and savoring life more I, I find that to be really meaningful and then the last thing i'll say is that purpose is really important they, they found that the people who are happiest are people who have some kind of purpose in life these are also people who tend to live longer so it's there's something to it purpose and connection with others right so, uh, you know of course the all the other health stuff but purpose is really important because it gives us you know people who let's say they retire and they have nothing to do with their lives after that no purpose they start to kind of lose their liveliness mm. and they, they um, and which leads to less uh, like worse health outcomes. But if they instead find a second life, a second career, or they volunteer, or they get involved with their church or community, they have purpose. They are more lively. They have more energy. They start to do other things to take care of themselves because if I don't take care of myself, I can't do this purpose thing. So all of our lives start to like support the purpose. And so I find that to be really important. So if you don't have a purpose, then I say the purpose of your life is to find that. It's not that you have to have a purpose to feel meaningful, uh, to, mm -hmm. to feel happy, but I find that purpose is an important element of that. You know, people without purpose can still have an incredible life. So it's not like it's a should, but I really believe that purpose gives us energy and focus and then 
we feel meaning from that. We create meaningful relationships around that. And it's, it's an offering of your heart and your gift into the world, whether that's like serving your, your immediate family or community organizations or your, your existing like job and team or creating something else that feels really purposeful for you. Wow. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think it is important to have a purpose. I also um, want to comment on something that you mentioned earlier. You talked about, you know, being like, okay, that's over. Breakfast is done. I can get that <laughs> part out of the way or my workout is finished. And I can be guilty of that when my schedule is really, really full. You know, it's just kind of like, okay, that's over with. So <laughs> everything that you brought up has sort of reminded me that it's all in the mindset and how we view things. Mm. So thank you for that. Yeah. And I'll, I'll just say that I'm also guilty of all of that. So I don't want to like <laughs> pretend that I'm like on this pedestal and I've figured out all of life's problems. Like, you know, I, I struggle with some of this stuff. I am still uh, dealing with it. Even after years and years of working with it, there's stuff still comes up. I still try and like rush through my breakfast, rush mm -hmm. through my workout, all of that kind of stuff. So it's still very present for me and stuff that I'm still working with. Yeah, it's good to remind ourselves just to slow down, be present. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. When I have people who are parents on the podcast, I always like to ask them this question. How did you involve your children in minimalist habits? Did they take to the idea of living simpler or living minimally pretty easily? <laughs> well, they didn't at all. Um, oh. <laughs> and so, but uh, I did get them involved. So that, uh, I have, I love this question. So at first I got super excited about it. It was me and only me. Um, and so I was like, ah, oh, I really want to like, just get rid of everything and just toss everything out. And I was like, so like inspired to change. And what I realized is that just cause I was inspired doesn't mean that everybody else was as well. <laughs> They're trying to like, you know, basically it's, it's me trying to like pull, yank the toys and my, my wife's shoes, um, out of my family's <laughs> hands and like, they're trying to like hold on to it so there's like a tug of war going on and what i realized is that was just terrible right so like i'm just trying to force them to to simplify and they're resisting and we're like frustrated with each other so i, I was being a little joking about like pulling those things out of their hands but it was something like that you know um where i'm like let's get rid of everything and they're like no don't take my stuff um <laughs> so what i decided to do first was to start with myself i could simplify my own stuff, my, my computer, my part of the closet and drawers and our dresser, the things that were, that I could own that were simply mine. And then start with that because that was within my control. And also I could really enjoy the process. And what I was doing was modeling for them kind of a new way of living. Mm -hmm. And as I did that, you know, it might make them curious and I like, they might ask about it. Why are you taking out all that, the, all those boxes of stuff. And I like tell them, you know, I could talk to them about it and we have a conversation and then I might tell them some things I'm learning about it and what I'm getting out of it and all of this stuff. And so they might be like, huh. And so like that just kind of gets them a little bit curious, but I'm not trying to like force it on them. Mm -hmm. And then I, you know, might invite them into like, you know, is there something that you might want to try? And one of the best things that works for people, first of all, is you don't have to do anything. Like I'm not here to like try and do this. I'm, I'm doing it over here and then invite them. But also you could also invite them to a challenge. I find this works really well with my family or a game. And so like a challenge would be like, let's see if, how many things we can get rid of or let's 
let's do 30 days of whatever, you know? Um, nice. So that's, that's always like my family, especially, but I think in general, people like to be challenged and like something that's fun as opposed mm -hmm. to like, Oh, here's something you need to do to like fix your crappy self. So <laughs> okay. uh, that's one. And then games is another one. Uh, so when my kids were little, we might do, I don't know. There was like different things that we like, let's, let's see how many, star wars people we can we can like put into this box you know that kind of thing um so it'd be just kind of fun or we might like set a timer or play a song and like by the end of the song let's see how many we can do that kind of thing so just kind of making it more fun and then what i decided to do what i tried doing was to let them see like why do this for me like one is like you have so many toys you can't even play with all of them like mm -hmm. you can't even find them and it's just so hard to find anything like they had like bins and bins of toys, closets full, it was all over the floor. And I'm like, you know, showing them like why it was difficult now, but also like what would be possible. Like if you don't play with this toy, like you haven't played with this toy in two years, like wouldn't mm -hmm. it be cool to let some other kid play with it? Some kid who doesn't have these kinds of toys. Yeah. And so they're like, they're like, oh, someone other than myself. And they started to like think about how that could benefit others and maybe get excited about some other kid being able to have fun with that well they didn't even need it because you know they had all these other cool toys and so we like started to donate to charities and um, try and get them into hands of people who would actually use it and that was really i think that was motivating but i think for every kid or every family there's going to be different things that might like maybe i like less clutter it would be really nice if you see pictures of simplicity it's like ah oh, that feels so calming and yeah. that that works more for like adults uh, kids don't care as much about that in general, uh, but um, but there might be other things you might find that they, you know, like selling it, like you can sell stuff on eBay, things like that, and they can make some money. We also like box stuff up and put it on Amazon and listed it, and then they would get the money out of it. And that would be really cool. And they could save up for something that they really wanted. Like they wanted it like an Xbox. Okay, great. Let's sell all these other toys so you can save up for your Xbox. And that's the game we were playing. Well, that's really cool. I don't have children, so I love asking parents for their perspective on how they approach minimalism with their children. And um, yeah. I, I did something similar with my husband. I would start to declutter my closet when I first started, you know, approaching living with less. I would be organizing and getting rid of things. And he would be like, why are you donating this? And I'd be <laughs> like, because I don't need it. I don't want it. You don't have to get involved. But now I'm really proud you know, I really need to go through my side of the closet and like without yeah. any prompting. I'm so proud. <laughs> yeah, no, that happened with, with my, my wife as well. She was maybe a little resistant at first, but she's embraced it and really found her way of working with it. And it's actually really inspiring to see her own ideas of, of that. And now we're both, you know, we're on the same page with a lot of this stuff. It's really cool to be in partnership in that way. Yeah, very much so. Well, out of curiosity, do you have a personal favorite Zen Habits post? Do I have a favorite Zen Habits post? Oh, man, that's that's a hard one. I figured. Um, <laughs> I just had to ask. Yeah, whatever the latest one is, is probably what I would say. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I um, the blog changes and grows as I do. So I look back at some of the old posts and I'm like, huh. There were some good ones there, but they, they're, that was like a different Leo. And the mm -hmm. ones that are coming out now are really resonating with where I'm at and how I'm working with my coaching clients or the groups that I, that I coach. And so um, they're very relevant right now to who I am and what I'm really passionate about. So 
yeah i i don't have a specific one that came to mind there is one that i go back to regularly though which mm-hmm. is when my it's called the art of being my dad so it's not necessarily going to be useful to anybody who's listening to this but the reason why i really love that is because the pictures of my dad it was my reflections of my dad when he he died and so something about that really evokes something for me so that's just my personal favorite it wouldn't necessarily be anyone else's yeah well i can i can see why that's meaningful for sure i guess i'm getting to the end of my questions unless there's sure. anything else um, well i i thought of the author from the 90s who oh, inspired me uh, great. elaine st james elaine st james. james yeah so she wrote uh, books like simplify your life or inner simplicity or living the simple life simplify your life with kids looking at her Amazon page right now. So that's how I didn't memorize them. Uh, 365 Simple Reminders, Simplify Your Christmas. So there were these little books, like, you know, square little books that you could hold and that each page was like some little inspiration. And man, did that, that really inspire me. And again, I have a lot of that stuff, that, that kind of thing on Zen Habits where it's like little things that might inspire you, but she, she inspired me to do that. Yeah, well, that's very cool. I will definitely have to check into Elaine St. James. What is one thing that my audience can start doing today that will help them to live more intentionally? Mm. If you take on a practice, a practice is something that you might be like, okay, I'm going to practice this because I'm not good at it already. It's not something that I already know how to do. So I'm going to take on a practice of, and then you start to say, I'm going to do this, right? I, I would say just taking on practices in general is a is a way to practice a more intentional life. But the practice that I would suggest to answer your question is setting an intention. Mm-hmm. So if you say, you know, what is my intention for today? Oh, I want to like, you know, get these three work tasks done would be an example of that. Or I want to record my podcast with Leo. So <laughs> we have an intention for the day. Uh, would be one. And it, it could be a lot of different ways, right? So the, my intention for the day might be, I want to be more mindful throughout the day, or I want to like dance more, you know, play music and dance throughout the day. So whatever it is, like it could be a task, it could be a project, it could be a way of being, it could be just like, I want to move more. You can set an intention for the day, but you can also set an intention for individual times of the day. Like I'm going to get on a call with this person. My intention is, don't lose my cool this time. <laughs> Stay calm because this person ticks me off a lot. So, you know, just like practice patience would be my, what you might do in that call. But for someone else, it's like, I want to practice like really feeling open to whatever this person is going through or being uh, bringing into our project. Or, you know, I want to just like listen more instead of talking too much. So whatever it is, you set an intention for, for each thing. If you set a meal, you know, people... Some people still do, but people used to always pray before a meal. And Mm -hmm. so you don't have to bring, you know, if you're not religious, you don't have to pray, but you could set intention. Like, I want to like, I want to be grateful as I eat this and thank the farmers and all the people who help prepare this food and just like know that I'm feeling supported by the world as I eat, you know, this bowl of delicious food. So like, that's a way to like be intentional with a meal. And we can do that everywhere. As I take a shower, as I brush my teeth, as I lay down to sleep, we can have an intention. We might forget that as we do it, as we do the activity, but it's a practice of setting an intention and then actually trying to do that. And that will definitely 
if you are serious about practicing it, it'll definitely make your day, your life more intentional. Yeah. One, one last thing I'll say, if you want your life to be more intentional, I think having some mini retreats, I do this every six months, I'll go away from work and be on retreat for, it could be for a day, for half a day, for, you know, whatever you can afford, maybe it's one hour, uh, mm -hmm. but you're on retreat where you're away from your regular life and your work and you think about what do I want my life to be? It could take more than an hour, but if you, all you can do is an hour, then do an hour. If you can do half a day or a day or five days, great. Do, do whatever you can, but really start to like, think about what you want your life to be. What do I want to do for the next five years, one year, six months? You start with the longer view and then you start breaking it down to, you know, a year long, six months, you know, for the next month, for the next week. And so that really allows you to line up what you want to do. And so your, your life becomes more intentional if you do these little retreats and really like think about what I want to do with my life. So these are sort of a way to step outside of your regular life and mm -hmm. focus on what you want for the future. Yeah. Like what's my intention for my life? Like, you know, 10 years goes by and if you didn't do this, it's just like whatever happens, happens. You're just kind of at the mercy of of whatever happens in your day, all everyone's requests, trying to get through different crises. But if you do it this way, where you're like, I, what's my intention for the next five years, for the next year, for the next six months, what you start doing is start to like take leadership in your life of what is it that I want? What do I want to create? What would be amazing? What am I committed to? What am I devoted to? And in this way, we start to take ownership for having it actually get created. And of course, it's not going to always be the way we envisioned it on the retreat. Uh, and mm -hmm. we'll fall off of that. We'll forget it. But we are taking more and more leadership and ownership in our life, our lives for creating that. And that's an intentional life. It's intentional at the level of the day and the meal and the you know activity. But it's also at a bigger picture of I want to live my life on purpose intentionally. Leo, thank you so, so much. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you. Yeah, uh, same here. Thanks for having me. Thanks again to my guest, Leo Babauta, and I'd also like to thank Amanda of Zen Habits for reaching out to me and getting Leo and I introduced. And thank you for listening. If you'd like to share your thoughts on the podcast or just say hi, you can reach me by email at clean.simple.free at gmail.com or on Instagram at clean.simple.free. If you enjoyed this episode, would you please take a moment to rate this podcast and leave a kind word or review? Those ratings really do help others discover my podcast. Plus, I just like hearing your thoughts. I'll see you next time. And remember, clean spaces make for a more simple way of life. And when life is simplified, your mind will feel free. Have a great week.